If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today I'd like to introduce Tonya Johnson, who's a mental skills coach. She also is an author and worked with riders all over the world. Tonya specialises in working with equestrian athletes from disciplines such as hunter-jumper, three-day venting and dressage. And Tonya's book is called Inside Your Ride, Mental Skills for Being Happy and Successful with Your Horse. She's also got a regular podcast by the same name on the Platecast show and is supported by the Horse Radio Network. Tonya's clients range from youngsters just starting out from the pony divisions to professionals competing at an international level. She conducts mental skills training clinics throughout the country and works with high school and university equestrian teams, including the Stanford, Smith and USC equestrian teams. Tonya's presented at the US Dressage Federation and the US Eventing Federation at national conventions, as well as a national conference for Associated for Applied Sports Psychology. She's a regular column called Inside Your Ride in Practical Horseman magazine, and Tonya's a frequent contributor to Bernie Trug's equestriancoach.com and equestrianprofessional.com. Tonya's appeared in a variety of equestrian magazines such as the Chronicle of the Horse, the Equestrian News, the Played Horse Equine Journal, I Jump, Horse Showbiz, Equine Wellness, Paint Horse Journal, Riding and Hoofbeats. For four years, she wrote a regular column for Eventing USA, the official publication of US Eventing Association. Wow, Tonya, that's a mouthful. How are you today? (laughs) <laughs> I'm good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> good. Happy to have you all the way from the US. So it's wonderful to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Now Great. that we've got our technology problems sorted out, Tonya, if you've got a favorite quote or a quote, something that you often tell your clients, and um, we can talk about that. Yeah. You know, really, it comes down to helping people recognize that focus and being aware and being present in the moment are all things that are skills and they get better with practice. So as we know that riding is comprised of both physical and mental skills, it's really important to do homework, not just on the physical side, but also on the mental side. And that's sort of the philosophy I try to bring forward of, you know, asking people, hey, how much of your riding do you feel is mental and how much do you feel is physical? And and then, you know, okay, of that, how much work do you do each week on the physical side? And then how much work do you do each week on the mental side? And lo and behold, though, people will say it's very, very mental in their mind and how they look at their riding. They're not necessarily doing the homework and the preparation to support that. So I am encouraging them to have enough practice and preparation 
for their psychological skills that they can get to the ring really feeling confident and stable and grounded in both realms, right? Mm. In both the physical realm and the connection with their horse and their use of their aids and all of their technical physical skills, but also in their ability to problem solve in the moment, to keep a positive attitude, to focus on a plan when they're in the ring, but also how to adjust it when needed. As we know, horses are absolutely their own beings and will throw different things at us even though we may have visualized it happening a certain way things will happen in the moment that you need to react to it if if you're present and you're relaxed and you're available and you're really listening to your horse as you go you can make those adjustments really successfully Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're distracted or you're thinking behind you of, you know, a mistake you made earlier in that pattern or on that course, or you're thinking ahead to something that's going to be really challenging, you're less receptive to being able to feel what's going on underneath you in the moment. So that's what I see as my sort of core mission as far as helping people is to build that awareness and to have tools in their toolbox to understand how to support themselves mentally. Yep. Yep. Just out of interest, what sort of percentages do they put? Because you're saying how much riding's physical, how much mental. Yeah. Does it vary? Yeah. I mean, because I'm asking this question to all different levels. And Mm. so appropriately, when it's someone who has less riding experience, they'll say more like 50-50. When you get up into more national level riders or elite level Grand Prix riders, it becomes much more heavily weighted to the mental. Mm-hmm. Right. So that 75, 80, 90 percent mental is true for people who their muscle memory and their physical skills are so refined that they really don't need to pay conscious attention to them. Right. They know how to ask for lead change. They know how to collect their horse in a short five stride line. Like all of those things are happening quite automatically. But it really has to do then with are they focused enough to make that physical adjustment happen smoothly and seamlessly in the ring? And there's plenty of studies in sports psychology that replicate this. When you ask Olympians that question, you get more along the lines of 97, 98% mental. So on the day, what's going to make the difference is who's focused, who's really completely in a confident, calm, open, free kind of state mentally and physically are, are really synced up. That's, that's what's going to make those smallest Because those competitions, when you're at a high level in any sport, I don't care if it's gymnastics or basketball or riding or swimming, the degrees of difference between the athletes is very small, right? You have much more proficient riders. And in our case, the horses, you know, there's a lot of scope there. There's a lot of physical ability. And then it really comes down on the day to who's bringing their best mental game Mm -hmm. to the ring. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good. And interesting mm-hmm. to note that the higher level riders place more focus on the mental skills. Right. Yeah. Which is where there's a lot of room, you know, when you're starting off, it's sports psychology is becoming so much more accepted and just seen as a part of your team, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, you have to have a problem to go work with a mental skills coach these days. The earlier you start recognizing that and the more tools you give yourself, the faster your physical progression can be, you know, if I have a client, maybe let's say someone who comes to me as an adult and they're just starting off and they're jumping like smaller jumps and they have aspirations, you know, if they're really using all of their mental skills to their fullest, they find that their physical progression is going to be a bit more steady and smooth. Okay. Okay. Obviously, everyone has hiccups, you know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> and there's going to be sure. little <laughs> stumbling blocks along the way, but 
they're going to be giving themselves a much better shot at the learning process okay. going well. Yeah. All right. Look, our next question is usually what made you start to have a career with horses. You've got, you already have been riding. I'm more interested now to know your pathway, how you, how you became a mental yeah. skills coach. Yeah, what, right. what was the yeah, pathway so there? They, what was the trigger that, that made you decide or was there sort a of sequence of events yeah. or how did that work out? Right. So I started riding when I was very young, about mm-hmm. five years old. I started regular lessons yep. and progressed up through the levels and as a teenager started becoming more self-aware and realized that I would really do quite well on the final day of a horse show. And usually had a kind of rocky start, usually was showing, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at a typical horse show and Friday would be rough, Saturday would be better. And Sunday I would just be really sort of quote unquote in the zone. Mm -hmm. And I thought, all right, why is this pattern so consistent? So it just started occurring to me a bit. And then I got interested in psychology, just naturally at school, I took a psychology course and, and in college, I was a psychology major. And the field of sports psychology then, this was late 80s, early 90s, was pretty new in respect to, I hadn't heard of it, right? And I was in college and heard about the field and was like, wow, that sounds like a really interesting fit. It has to do with helping people understand kind of what goes on for them in their sport. How do they compete their best? How do they support themselves? What kind of help is there for athletes? I was always interested in behind the scenes, like I'd go to horse shows and actually spend more time in the warm-up ring and watching people talk to their trainers or coaches at the back gate. Mm -hmm. That always fascinated me. Anything behind the scenes was always very interesting to me in an athletic setting, but obviously riding was where I was most. So it just sort of naturally appeared. And and as soon as I learned about programs, I, in college, went ahead and applied. And it just was like, oh, there, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) So I was quite lucky in many respects. But but really, my main first interest, I mean, I think it started from just wanting to understand more of why I was noticing that pattern in myself. And so there was sort of a self-curiosity that kind of drove it, I think, and just an interest, right? Yeah. And also just being interested in exceptional performance. I find that to be so thrilling and motivating to watch people mm. maximize their potential, you know, and always did even, like I said, growing up or even watching, you know, what, watching the Olympics. I remember when I was like eight years old and Nadia Komanish and, you know, things, moments like that, where you see someone just absolutely nail a routine they've been working on their whole life, like little, little things like that, that I just find are so inspiring and speak to true, you know, human potential of mm-hmm. being in the moment and just allowing your skills to come through. Okay. Okay. That's, that's great. And a pathway that just seemed to uh, fall into place for yeah. you. That's really good. Yeah, it really yeah. did. Yeah. 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 Which I think for young people who, you know, try to figure out what they want to do with their mm. life, it's, it's very hard. I feel very lucky that it just sort of like a runway at night at the airport, just the lights just kind of lit up. And I was like, oh, I'm going that way. Yep, so yep. I know that that's not, that you're lucky yeah, when that yeah, happens. I yeah. guess I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, what about the young people that you teach? Do you see, because you'd see quite a few juniors, young riders coming in. Are there skills mm-hmm. that you see in the young riders that you think, ah, oh, well, you'll do well, you'll go on and progress? Or can you pick mm-hmm. them as young riders? Um, you know, there are, there's been different ethical viewpoints on, you know, there's some psychological testing that some professional teams have tried to do and that kind of thing. I think instinctually having done this work for so long, I can see kids who 
I think, have a heightened awareness. And I think that that's always something that you can really take advantage of. But it's not to say that you can't build that. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you see people with some natural potential to focus or to be calm under pressure, all those things. But I also think you can get to them through hard work and perseverance. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've, I don't think I have be open to that. But to, do they still have to be right, open to the work? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the main thing with clients I always ask, especially when I'll have a parent contact me is, you know, talk to me about how excited young, you know, Sue is Mm -hmm. (laughs) to work with me. Right. Or, you know, is she fired up? Is she excited? And, you know, if it's the kind of thing where the mom is like, no, I just think it's a really good idea. And she's not really that. And, you know, I all have Mm -hmm. a session. And usually they turn right around when they understand that I speak horse and that we're not going to have a very dry sort of yes. clinical conversation, then they're, they're fine. But for sure, someone's motivation and curiosity about themselves is sort of the number one. Um, those two things, I should say, are the top factors in how successful they will be using mental training. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And what about the riders at the top? Because you teach them international riders. What did they Uh have or what have they developed become, you know, as Uh they've become higher level riders? What are the the main things that get developed as people get into the elite level? Well, you know, one of the first things I think you notice is their ability to quickly look for solutions. Mm -hmm. So rather than getting hung up on things that maybe haven't gone well or they made or being frustrated at a circumstance at a show, let's say, they're quick to, okay, what can we do about that? How can I help this situation? Yes. So that they're touching mistakes, whether it's them in the ring, literally in the tack on the horse, like fixing and bringing a horse back to focus or correcting a mistake that might have been about to happen. That really keen awareness and willingness to Figure something out and dig in, I think, is one of the core things that's there. And definitely a strong sense of self and resilience, you know, that they know, okay, yeah, it didn't work out for me today. And they, you know, are able to sort of process what happened and move quickly on to, okay, what's tomorrow? They don't spend a whole ton of time dwelling on the negative or beating themselves up, which I do see a lot of with some of the less advanced riders, mm, mm, I would mm. say, who have more emotional reactions. Yeah, mm. it's normal, right? I mean, you, it's not surprising. But again, it's something that you can be aware of and decide how you want to handle it. Like, we all get frustrated. Don't get me wrong. Something doesn't go our way or we make a mistake and it was a big class. It's like, sure, it's, it's frustrating for a minute. But then what happens next? Do you then beat yourself up and tell yourself how awful you are and you don't deserve this horse and all these kinds of things? Or are you able to understand why it happened and learn from it and go forward. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a clear so that clear distinction of, there. Yeah. That's good. Good. Yeah. 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 And what about the difference between, because you teach across a range of disciplines and a range of ages and a range of mm-hmm. abilities and circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people who are amateurs yes. and do it in their spare time as much as they can and fit in with their full-time mm-hmm. job, their family, everything else. And then there's the elite mm-hmm. level that are just 100% focused on the job. What are the different mm-hmm. the differences between those? Well, certainly people will come to me for different things. Some people really just want support. Some people really want, you know, homework and treat it like skills and treat it like 
mental cross training. And so obviously it, it sort of depends how much time and availability they have and, you know, how important it is to them. But I think with the kids, there's a lot to be learned about perspective and understanding that each horse show is not going to make or break their entire life. You know, with, yes. with maturity comes that ability to see the longer road ahead and to gain a more balanced perspective, I would say. So that's something I help the younger people with, I think. Again, this is a bit generalizing, but some themes that sort of show themselves, I think, with the amateurs, you know, the people who maybe are balancing a lot, you know, it's it's a lot of sacrifice and effort to get to the show. And, and I think a lot of times they put an awful lot of pressure on themselves to make it work or make it worth it or make their family or their trainer proud. And even though they're, they're the ones that are choosing to do it. So it's important to keep perspective of the joy in it and the process orientation of each experience I have is making me stronger and making sure you're framing things as lessons being able to be brave about going after some big goals, but then knowing that, you know, one of the biggest part of goal setting is being able to to adjust them and understand, hey, this sport has to work within a life, work, family balance, and I'm just going to keep doing the best I can to, to make it all work. So, yeah, and then with more elite level riders, I think there's something about just managing all the different pieces, sometimes they're juggling a lot. They're juggling clients or they're juggling owners and a lot of time obligations. And then when it's time to focus, they have this very high expectation of what their performance is going to be like. So, you know, being able to sort of compartmentalize some things and make sure they have some tools that are just for them, that they give themselves a little bit of time as much as they can to sort of gather themselves and put themselves into a performance frame of mind versus, you know, coach, trainer, barn manager, all the different hats that they have to wear throughout the day. When you're talking elite, elite, like the folks who really do have sponsors and who have horses that are being paid for just for them to ride, then those folks, it's a little around just making sure that they feel free. I think freedom is a theme of just being able to give themselves the freedom to be present and be very dialed in on the day with hey, I, I trust myself here to do well and to do what I know how to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not be afraid of a negative outcome or feel pressured about the financial side of things. So there's a real, again, we go to a balance with just that process orientation and really some mindfulness work yep. for them, you know, just being able to be very present and very aware, but not being trapped into any one way of responding to some of those pressures that they have to deal with day in, day out. Okay. Okay. Because that can really get in the way. Yeah. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Do you ever work with a combination of a client and their instructor? Yeah, definitely. So a great variety of that sort of blend. You know, when I have a new client, I often invite the trainer to call me and just so I can hear from their perspective what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's really important to me that I have a solid relationship with them and that they understand sort of what my focus is and that 
I will never be telling the client anything physical or training wise what to do. And really explaining my scope is really just with the rider's preparation and focus. And then I get to hear from them, hey, there's what I'm seeing in the warm up ring, or they get to say, this is, you know, the pattern I've seen the last few months. And, you know, that's useful because I'm not there. Like, there's for sure clients I have at shows that I go to because I have a horse and I ride and show myself. So I'll see clients at shows and I'll try to watch. But the majority of my clients, I don't even meet in person. So for me to have a trainer sort of explain to me, well, she says she's breathing, but I'm telling you, she's coming out of the ring and her, <laughs> her face is white and, you know, whatever it may be, it's useful for me to have that bigger view of what's going on. And, and then there are times when we'll have communication issues and I'll have telephone conferences where the trainer and the client will be on the phone and we'll be working through things. Sometimes trainers will do a session with me and I'll coach them on some specific ideas of how to help that particular student. Or even I have clients who are professionals who work with me on their own riding and competing, but also on their teaching and their communication skills as well. So it's really a big blend, but the more we approach it as a team, the better off everyone is, I feel. You know, it's definitely the case that the client gets to say how much of that we do. You know, the client is in the driver's seat. They get to share or not share. I definitely have clients who don't tell anybody they're working with me. Mm -hmm. You know, like they don't want the trainer to know. They just don't even want to go there. The trainer is maybe someone that they're feel wouldn't necessarily embrace it, or they just want to do it on their own for a variety of reasons. So I'll definitely have that end of the spectrum as well as trainers who want to be as involved as possible. If, if it's possible and when it's possible to approach it as a team is certainly ideal because they're there. They can help that rider be accountable for their preparation and for using some of the tools that we work on or reminding them to get out of certain skill if they start to see things kind of going sideways at a certain point. But yeah, I definitely, we, we discussed that. And if that's needed, I'll suggest it, but sometimes and say, Hey, if you're comfortable, if you're not fine, this could be useful. But I do enjoy that because like I said, I think we get to even a greater level of success when there's that kind of team attitude going toward it. Yep. Yep. That's a fun, and that's a fun environment. That's a fun energy that's created. There's sort of a team cohesion that happens, you know, even though so many people say our sport is an individual sport, it's absolutely a team sport. You and your horse are a team and then you have your greater team. So the greater the understanding and the empathy and the patience you all have with one another, the better. And however I can help that, I always enjoy that opportunity. Mm, mm, mm. That's good. When when you talked about that, you know, there were a few times where you were pretty proud, proud of what you're already doing. What's your proudest moment? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have one. I feel like I'm proud every time I get a text from a client and, you know, they've just accomplished something that they've been working toward, or they've turned a corner with their perspective. They might have a horse show that maybe didn't end as they wanted it to. Maybe they didn't win the class, but they feel equally as excited by some progress made or felt like they really supported themselves well. Those are exciting times for me. And those always make me proud to be part of their team. Yeah. So yep. I think those are lucky for me. They're, they're sort of sprinkled throughout my calendar and, <laughs> and I get to enjoy that fairly regularly. So that's what I would say. I don't really think I have anything in particular that stands out as like one particular case of that. But yep. I, I love hearing from folks when it's gone well and when they're proud of themselves and their effort. and their use of both their physical and their mental skills. 
I think that's great the way that you said your proudest moment, you know, this sprinkled throughout and to have those yeah, constantly, yeah. It's, it's just a constant boost. You know, the breakthrough sounds like. Um, right. Sounds, oh, absolutely. So yeah. fun. Yep. Yep. All yeah. right. Now, Tanya, if you can tell yeah. us a bit about your book and what's in your book and who, yeah. you know, are the sort of people that would buy your book and what they can achieve by. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. My book is called Inside Your Ride, mm-hmm. Mental Skills for Being Successful and Happy with Your Horse. And I really wanted to have a mental skills sports psychology book that was very conversational, very easy to pick up and read a chapter and maybe get some ideas for the lesson you're going to take later that day. So the chapter titles are things like focus or confidence or energy things that you need to bring to the equation when you're going out and riding. So framing everything in a positive way of what you're headed toward, you know, things that you'd like to have on board with you. So the tools I use the most, you know, it's sort of a a great introduction when I have clients that come to me and say, well, I read your book and now I really need help fine tuning some things and, you know, making it really personal to what I do and the issues that I'm having. That's great. I definitely have people who come to me who've never read the book and, and maybe aren't avid readers and it's just not something they would do. But like I said, the idea is that you would be able to pick it up and maybe you have a horse show this coming weekend and maybe you would look at the confidence chapter and interestingly, you see, oh, wow, goal setting is part of confidence. And then you wonder, well, why is goal setting linked to confidence? And you see, wow, okay, so it really has to do with me recognizing that as I make progress, And each ride, when something's getting a little bit better, I see my effort and my intention improving my riding skill. That's exciting. That gives me confidence to know that, hey, when I focus on this, it actually improves and it actually gets better. And that's something that is then, you know, it creates that nice positive cycle. Then you get more motivated, then you work harder, you have more success, then you're motivated again. It just creates that great energy loop. I also interviewed some top riders and trainers for dressage, eventing, and show jumping, just to show that, you know, someone like McLean Ward, who has, a you know, two Olympic gold medals, he started using sports psychology after his first gold medal because he realized, you know what, there's more I can do. There's a way that I can be more consistent with my mental approach. Mm-hmm. And I find that so awesome to share with folks to recognize, you know, all athletes grapple with so many of the same things and to be inspired by someone maybe that you look up to or that you've seen or you've read their name and you realize, wow, this person is is someone I'd like to ride like and maybe I can work toward that, but I can also definitely work toward how they think and how they approach things, right? And and be sort of encouraged by that and be encouraged by the similarities of, you know, that everyone sort of, like I said, can be boosted by some of these same ideas and strategies. Yep. Yep. So that's really the book. And I always felt like I wanted to write a book and I always had a vision of what (laughs) it was going to be. And I was just so busy and I wasn't doing it. And I actually got contacted by my publisher and approached by my editor. And she said, we want you to write a book. And I went, okay, I guess the universe is telling me now's the time. And so now it was ironic that I had to take a year off from writing and showing in order to write the book when I was writing a book about 
riding and showing, but, but it all worked and it was great. And it was a great opportunity and I'm really happy it's out there. I get a lot of nice feedback from folks who will read it once and then get a new horse and go back and read it and say to me, oh my gosh. And then I was focusing on totally different things and it was so useful. And that's super, I, I just, again, it makes me really happy to be able to provide ideas for people to enjoy their horses more, to partner with their horses in a more effective way. And just to feel that sense of partnership and pride in, you know, what they're creating yep. when they're with yep. their horse. So that's sort of, and then the podcast kind of grew actually just this year, we started a podcast sort of based on the same idea where I'll have a guest and we'll talk about their mental skills or strategies. And even if, I mean, they don't necessarily, trust me, they don't necessarily refer to things like that. They're just talking about what they do, mm. but lo and behold, you find some of those top writers are just naturally doing things that I might teach someone. And then there's definitely riders who have studied and who have really worked consciously on their mental preparation. But it's, again, it's inspiring. And it's always interesting for me to talk to new folks and like being interviewed by you. I mean, I think (laughs) podcasting is such a great, it's sort of a new frontier. I mean, maybe it's not that new, but I think in the horse world, it's a little bit. I explain many times that people will say, well, now what's a podcast and how do I find it? And what do I do? So, but I think it's great. And it's certainly useful. I've heard from lots of folks who will say, oh, I listened to your podcast when I was, you know, driving down to the horse show. I had a five hour drive and I downloaded a bunch of them and listened to them. And it's just nice that it's something you can do. You don't have to sit down and have a book in front of you. You know, Mm. so many people these days, we're all so busy and we're multitasking and being able to listen is certainly an advantage. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can you sum up your philosophy? Just a lesson, an overall lesson so people can think about this is just, you know, getting towards the end here and they can think about it as they go through their day. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, to encourage folks to be aware when they're having great rides to really reflect and understand how they're contributing. What are they doing? How are they thinking? How are they approaching something with their attitude or their mindset? What were they doing the hour before they got on their horse that day? Really understanding the good and the great rides so that you can help yourself add some of those tools to your toolbox right? So often we beat up on ourselves about the mistakes or the negatives or the, oh, I wish I had that horse or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we'll drive home from a show or drive home from a lesson. And we've had some beautiful things happen with our horse that day. And yet we're focused on the one chip or, you know what I mean? The one mistake that felt embarrassing. And it's really important to look first and foremost at where you are succeeding and understand how you're a part of that, both physically and mentally, so that you can become more confident and more consistent with every ride. Yep. Yep. Good. Good. Now, we'll put a link to your podcast on our page, which will be oh, great. Yeah, horsechats.com slash Tonya Johnston. How else can people contact you, Tonya? If we put your email, because you can do international calls. You're happy to work with people internationally. So if we put your email and your phone on the page as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And my website is my name. So it's tanyajohnston.com. Okay. Is my website. They can find me through there. I'm on Facebook. Tanya Johnston Mental Skills Coach is my page. Yes. There's a variety of ways you can find me. Yeah. And on Instagram at Inside Your Ride, all kinds of good things. Yeah. 
so many different platforms these days. <laughs> yes, there is. There is. All right. Look, great to, to talk to you track, today. Right? It's been yep. it's okay. been very good for people to just know and have a bit of direction and guidance as far as the mental skills yeah. goes. You know, they can they great. know know there and just the interesting to know, you know, the percentage of mental skills that's required. It's not yes. just get on yeah. ride, be a good rider, but there's mm-hmm. a bit more to it than that. Yeah, especially as you get on to the elite level. Yeah. All right. Thanks right, very much. Absolutely. Great, great right. to hear from you. All right. <laughs> bye. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye now. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 